You know, life's full of unpleasant surprises. This morning, I uh, woke my husband up with a phone call to say, by the way, I accidentally took your keys and mine. Sorry. So I, I rushed back home, and we met in the driveway, and I kind of threw him out the open window, and I rushed back to church. Man, life is full of surprises, and some of them are pleasant. So what about you? Do you like surprises? Some surprises are great. A thoughtful gift, all green lights on the way to work, something being easier, faster, or less expensive than we thought it was going to be. Those are great surprises. But not every surprise in life is a good one. What if you came home today to find out, surprise, you're going vegan? Now, some of you would be fine with that. But others of you are like, you don't get to make that choice for me. You see, that's really what it's about. Choices. We like surprises when they align with the choices that we would have made for ourselves anyway. The surprises that we wouldn't choose for ourselves, losing a job, losing a loved one, losing a dream or a hope, we don't like those surprises. Surprises are pleasant when secretly we are expecting them or hoping for them. Selfish creatures that we are, we like surprises when they benefit us. God, however, is full of surprises, and usually they're not about me or about you. You see, God is up to something far bigger than our vision of a world dictated by our wants and our hopes and our dreams. Sometimes that means that when I'm surprised by God, it's something far bigger, better, or grander than I could have imagined. And sometimes the surprises I get from God are, no, not yet, or <laughs> just you wait and see. That, that third one's a doozy. So when was the last time God surprised you? When was the last time God defied your expectations? Did you like it? The scripture we read from the Gospel of Luke this morning is full of God defying the Israelites' expectations. Now, Jesus thus far in his ministry, according to Luke, has been baptized, had the Spirit descend upon him with the declaration, you are my son with whom I am well pleased, only then to be driven out to the wilderness by the very same Spirit and tempted and tormented by the devil. Talk about a surprise. If things are going well and God is pleased with us, we tend to assume that life will be easy, that life will be pleasant. When the truth is, sometimes in order to fulfill our purpose, we have to face trials and temptations. So Jesus is coming back from the desert today and he is firm in his purpose and his mission, and we hear that he's filled with the Holy Spirit's power. So surely now everything will go well for him, right? Well, we heard last week that Jesus' first sermon was to declare that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he was anointed to bring the good news. Jesus spoke with authority and power when he declared, Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
Surely this is good news. God has a plan, and it's coming to fruition. What a great surprise. Surely those people in that Nazarene synagogue were happy. And they were, at first. We heard in the story that all eyes were on Jesus. They were listening and were amazed. But then the murmurs start. You see, Jesus had defied their expectations. Isn't that Joseph's son? Who is he to declare the year of the Lord's favor? And Jesus again begins to speak. He speaks even knowing that he will be rejected. He speaks even knowing that he is at great personal risk. He speaks as a prophet in the same vein of the prophets of old as Jeremiah who wrote, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jesus speaks to an agitated, murmuring crowd who is questioning his authority, and he has the audacity to tell this synagogue, you know, actually this really isn't all about you. Elijah wasn't sent to the widows of Jerusalem. He was sent to a foreign widow in Sidon. And Elisha didn't heal the many in Israel who had leprosy, but instead healed Naaman, a Syrian. Jesus affirms that God's plans often aren't for us or about us, but are instead about accomplishing something far greater, spreading God's love to all the nations. Jesus had the audacity to confront his hometown family of faith and to say, I've got good news. Captives will be released and the blind will see and the poor will find relief. And it all sounded like really good news until God began to defy their expectations. Jesus' prophetic grace that day met with their entitlement. God's love sounded great until they were surprised to learn that God's love was for all. And the good news sounded like bad news to the hearers as they understood that it wasn't their poverty It wasn't their sickness, and it wasn't just for them that Jesus came. And in fact, it would require their loss, their sacrifice, and their giving of themselves. The people pretty quickly are moved from amazement and wonder to anger. And we hear that they not only kick Jesus out of the synagogue, they try and push him off a cliff. Talk about a tough crowd. Yet something amazing happens. Jesus passes through the crowd and goes on his way. When we face tough times as individuals or as communities or as a nation, it's really easy for us to think negatively. It's all too easy for us to look around and see the people waiting to push us off that cliff. Maybe it's not even the others around us. Maybe it's the dark night of our own soul our own inner darkness or depression or health problems that we fear are just waiting to swamp us again. In these moments of fear, I want to assure you that you too can pass through this. It's easy for us to think, oh sure, Jesus can just phase through anything. That crowd wasn't going to get him, but that's not going to work for me. 
but it could. I am telling you that the words of Jeremiah hold true for each of us. Before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. God knew you, and he created you for a purpose and a plan. God looked around at the world and decided it needed one of you. So if God has a plan for us, we know that we were made to be beloved of God and to make that love known. We were made with God's kingdom purposes. We were made to be loved and to love one another. God has a plan for you right now and for all the rest of your days. So if God has a plan, what do we need to do? Follow. And as much as possible, without fear. In following God's plan for our lives, we will doubtless be surprised in both good and not-so-good ways. We may be placed in seemingly impossible and difficult situations. As Christians, we will have the opportunity to speak uncomfortable truths. We will have the chance to offer perspective and counsel that the world isn't really interested in hearing. You will have the opportunity to tell others of Jesus' love for them, and it will shock them, maybe even offend them. Will you rise to the challenge anyway? Will you act out the faith, hope, and love that you have in Christ, even when it makes you unpopular? Will you do as the psalmist suggests and take your refuge in God, trusting that you will never be put to shame? Because I would hate for us to be guilty of that same sin of the Israelite synagogue that day in Nazarene, Nazareth. You see, God doesn't need to send Elijah to the widow in Apopka. God doesn't need to send Elisha to the community health center. God doesn't need to send Paul to Oakland to let our neighbors know that he loves them. Do you know why? He's sending you. And if you have strayed from the path that God has for you, if you look around at your life, at your relationships, at your struggles, at your temptations and sins, and you know you're pretty far from where God wants you, will you ask God to rescue you? You see, this following Jesus isn't easy stuff here, but we have a fresh opportunity each and every day to say yes to Jesus, to keep saying yes as we become aware of the next place and plan that God is asking us to follow. This weekend, our diocese celebrated its 50th anniversary with the invitation to keep saying yes to Jesus. This is an invitation to keep allowing Jesus into new parts of our personalities, our lives, and our actions, and let the love of Christ transform and conform us. You see, we know only in part. We prophesy only in part, and we follow a dimly lit path. We see God's plan for our lives in snippets and moments of brightness in an otherwise dark world. But Paul promises, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then 
we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now in faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. Jesus, on his path, passed through the midst of some very angry people who were not happy with what God had in mind. I want to invite you to think about who and what might you need to pass through on your path of following Jesus. Regardless of what you are passing through or the old self as it is passing away, may you have hope in the knowledge of the love of God. You are fully known, fully loved, and wonderfully made for a kingdom purpose. And that kingdom purpose is summed up in the words of Jesus, love others as I have loved you. You see, that's what, where that crowd got angry. They wanted to rest in the love that God had for them. And Jesus reminded them this love has a greater purpose and is meant to reach beyond. I hope today you will say yes to Jesus. Not just here as we receive the bread and the wine in communion, but I hope you'll say yes to his love for you and carry that love with you this week and go love on others because they need to know too that they are fully known and fully loved. For that is the way of Jesus, to love one another as Christ loves us. Will you walk in the way of Jesus this week?